Welcome to this week's episode of the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. We have a special episode this week because this week we are podcasting for something extra special. It's a reward, and if we can wrap this podcast up in under 65 minutes, we are going to be rewarded with a delicious Arby's double stack cheese monster burger with extra horsey sauce. Is that word podcasting for? You bet it is, Jeff. I don't even know if that's a real thing. I just totally made that up. I'm trying to do this seamless product integration that CBS manages to do with this show. I think it went flawlessly. Flawless. It's almost invisible, really. It's like I didn't even notice. I'm so hungry for an Arby's cheesy horsey stack burger or whatever I just called it. You know what? We have this later, and but let's get into it now. Survivor is like the worst at product placement, is it not? I don't know because I don't watch enough. I, I don't even want to call it reality TV because that's, I don't really lump Survivor into that. I guess it kind of is, but I, I'm sure there are other shows that are just as bad, if not worse though, right? Well, I think that like it's a staple. It's one of the reasons, one of the things that makes reality so profitable, right? Is that they are willing to show. I'd say why, why it's particularly onerous on Survivor is they, otherwise create a world without products and then they need to jam those in and there's just no way to do it elegantly at all yeah there's not a smooth and subtle transition and i will say i i take that back because my wife watches top chef and i occasionally see that and they do absolutely hawk their products in there as best they can like you're gonna be making a challenge with hot pockets this week Oh, and yeah. all the chefs groan, or no, they they pretend like it's an exciting thing. Like, oh, wow, I get to make a Hot Pocket challenge. Yeah, or Apprentice does all this, but, you know, they're ex- at least existing in a world, like, with, like, products and stuff, right? This this is creating the illusion of being stranded on an island, and then all of a sudden they have to bring a consumer product in there, and it just never works. And even things like that could work better, like busting out the phones for the family stuff. Survivor, like, it's not enough that they have a phone and they, like, show off a feature. They need to, like, read the ad copy and have people say things about it. But the important thing is, with this product placement, Jack and Jill was the highest grossing movie in Samoa for one glorious summer. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And uh, uh, the focus groups were great. Coach thought it was the best thing since he was tied up by pygmies. Uh, is that the worst one that they've ever done? It's got to be the Jack and Jill, right? Jack and Jill is the worst, yeah, because, I mean, you really had to struggle to see people laughing, and you know they were just like, oh, come on, you're not going to force me to pretend to laugh at this, right? I mean, there's probably a couple of people who were in on it because they're like, you know, I bet Brandon was like, cool, I'm going to go pay for it when I get home. Uh, <laughs> was probably the best was Sophie who could just not do it. She could not hide her disdain by this garbage. She's like, can I get back to watching Howler Monkeys, please? Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> and it was like almost like, would I throw that challenge or would I want the popcorn? Yeah, I would probably sooner rather sit there and pick sand out of my butt crack than watch that awful movie but yeah i mean the reason why we're talking about it is last night they ever so delicately had the outback steakhouse and of course the joke that you know i made is the loser had two meals from outback steakhouse because (laughs) food is terrible although i'm sure to those people it wasn't and to sandra it's not i mean it's steak how badly can you mess up steak oh you cook it too long that's how you mess up steak um We'll have another podcast where we talk about how to order a good steak. <laughs> well, that's the kind of week it was on Survivor. So, um, yeah, I'm not usually somebody who gets turned off by shows that can do product placement because I get that people need to make money, especially when we live in a world where people 
refuse to pay for content. I TiVo the show and fast forward right through the commercials. Yeah. Exactly. I'm the problem. Oh, yeah. And I do too. So if that's the, the fee of having them to jam it in the show, it's just, it's really egregious in Survivor because these people are wearing the same stank clothes every day and all of a sudden, this is your Charmin outhouse. Or, We're leaving these Sears tools for you to build. It's like, I thought that they weren't supposed to have tools. Okay, you'll just subvert the principle of your show to make money. Whereas for like for Amazing Race, they can just like go up to United Air counters and it's so much easier. Um but on the sh- uh the show itself, uh, what do you think of the episode? It was fine. I mean, it was we're generally going to have those predictable episodes during survivor seasons where you know if not the exact target of the vote, you know which alliance is going home. And that certainly was the case tonight. Yeah, I, th- I think this is just basically the way it is. We had the seismic event last week. It's pretty rare when one alliance just takes control over after a big move that the next episode is anything but surprising. In fact, usually often what happens is they just jam two eliminations uh, together in one episode to get it over with. Because... It just makes sense. If you just fought and clawed and basically got by the skin of your teeth like that group did last week, you're not going to change things up too much the following week. Like, the only hope that... don't rock the boat immediately. Yeah, it's like, let's accept this win and move on. Like, the only thing that could have thrown it off was the idol. And, you know, that didn't happen. So, the dominant alliance wins. The show did a good job of jazzing it up with the whole idol sequence that we'll get into. And they decide to uh, vote out Morgan. Was this the right move for the Alliance? It was the easiest move. It's funny. They deployed Spencer's exact strategy against Spencer's Alliance this week and went for the person least likely to get an immunity idol. Yeah, they learned. Because clearly they didn't think of the strategy last week. Because if they did, then maybe they would have anticipated and given it to Jeffra. Although, again, that would have been pretty, like, pretty impressive if they had done it. But yeah, I think it was the right move in that all that's important right now, and Sarah couldn't get this last week, but the rest of us did, is uh, avoid the idol. Especially if you're, say, Tony, somebody who's likely to get targeted by an idol. And once you have an overwhelming majority, then you can take out the other people. And there's a lot of people complaining online that, like, booting Sarah is worthless. You should take out one of the threats. But real talk here. Is Jeremiah or Tasha that big a threat? Uh, we'll get to that later, because I think one of those is a little more of a threat than you think. I mean, one of them is certainly more of a threat than Morgan, but it's not like, That's you know, a low bar. It's not like they're taking a shot at LJ or something here, you know? So it's like, take the safe one. And here's the other thing people are complaining about. It's like, oh, why vote out Morgan? You need her as a goat. Goats are only useful if they're in your alliance. If they're in the other alliance, you don't get to take them to the end unless you're willing to betray your entire alliance to do it. Yeah, and... Morgan, she definitely would qualify as a goat, but if you bring Jeffra to the end, that's the next best thing, and Jeffra's a lot more loyal. Yeah, like, Morgan isn't their goat. She doesn't get to use that. They don't, they don't get to use them unless, like, what's the, the talk here? Hey, we should vote out Morgan. No, 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 I plan on taking to her end, the end. Wait, you plan on taking her to the end instead of the five of us? Like, <laughs> Right, you're going to flip on us later? <laughs> Thanks. So... She's not an option for them. Like, yeah, she could be an option. Maybe she'll just somehow get there. But I think this one was just about reducing the other tribe's numbers by one. Which is all that matters. And that's what they did. And now they have a double majority. They can do things like vote splitting or whatever. Uh, Now, for one person, though, 
it's a bigger question, because Cass spent a lot of the episode poorly justifying her decision of last week and saying that she's a free agent. But then ultimately, she just fell in line and voted with the, the majority. Um, was that the right move? I'm going to throw out something here and, and tell me if you agree with this. Is Cass actually what we thought Tony was at the start of the season? Because I feel like every week that I'm watching her, at least the past two weeks, she's turning more and more into what we feared Tony was, and we were very wrong about Tony. I think she's the Tony we thought we saw earlier in the season. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit, a little yes or no, I'll, I'll say on that one. Um, she's not as aggressive as he was, and I think that was one of the things that really made us step back. He was just so in your face. And then upon reflection, a lot of that was actually in our face, not in theirs. Um, so she's not that, but somebody who wildly overplays things, who swings from one to the other, who fails to recognize the importance of social bonds. Yeah, that's chaos, Cass. What blew my mind last on this episode was she basically thought that, oh, they'll immediately forget the fact that I betrayed them, which to an extent, yes, people will forget that you betrayed them if there was a valid reason (laughs) for it. And there's just, there's not a justification. If you can get to the end because you betrayed someone and you said, hey, you know, look, I had to play my own game. I had to flip on you because I couldn't bring you to the end with the rest of my group. Fine. But she didn't have another group. She was just jumping ship and hoping. Yeah. And also, I mean, as far as we can see, and I think this is one of those where if the other side was there, we would have saw it in this episode. It's not like they had a whole lot of story to tell. She has no interest in justifying her actions to these people. You know, she's like shrugging her shoulders and kind of like, yeah, hey, that's what you got to do. And it's uh, one one game and things will happen. There was no attempt to like, like, hey, Sarah was against us. I knew she had a cancer. Uh, you guys put me in a really bad position. None of that. It was just kind of like, hey, screw you. It's a game. And so it's like, I don't even know how that other side comes to an understanding over what she did because she's not trying to make them understand. But she was right to stay with the majority, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you keep yourself safe. And she was right, too, in saying that, you know, I don't care as long as it's not me, which is true because at some point, maybe soon, it's going to be her. Yeah, like there's talk like, oh, she could have flipped back to the other side, but that creates a tie. I think people sometimes watch a show and they so hate things that are just so boring, like last night's episode, that they concoct things that would be more interesting and convince themselves that this would be the best move and just fail at simple math. Going this one, she made sure there was no danger to her. And if an idol is played, there's still no danger to her. (laughs) Her going home, Tony goes home with four votes just as simply as he goes home with five votes if an idol is played. But other, yeah, if she flips and there's no idle trickery going anywhere, then it's 5-5, and now it could be her. So, yeah, of course, you vote out the person. And this wasn't given a justification in the episode, but I do wonder if one of the reasons why they proposed Morgan as a target... I mean, I think the main reason was she's the least likely to get an idol. But I wonder if there was any small motivation of everybody saw Morgan and Cass fight, and they gained control of this alliance by voting out the last person that Cass was fighting with. So maybe they was like, hey, we could probably bring Cass along even deeper into our side by picking another person she would want to vote, rather than maybe putting her to a choice by voting out somebody who might be a friend, like um, Tasha. 
Oh, I think that was definitely them extending the olive branch to Cass. She was saying, oh, I don't want to be the one that picks, but they probably figured, okay, well, she's not going to say it, but she'd probably be pretty happy if we said Morgan. And so they suggest Morgan, and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah, and, like, they didn't make it hard for her, which I think some people have done in the past, and they failed. It's like, okay, you're on our side, and now you got to vote out your best friend. It's like, that's tough, you know? And for what? You can get that person later. So uh, even if it wasn't even something they thought about, I think it was probably in the back of their heads, because it's exactly what they did last week. Um, so there was one other move to make in this whole decision, and that was Spencer finds an idol in, you know, a pretty entertaining sequence that we'll talk about. Was there something he could have done with the idol? He decided not to do anything with it. Was that wrong? Hell no. Thank you. He, uh, Spencer's only goal in the game is to advance his own position. There's nothing he can do with that idol, at least right now, to advance his game other than keep it and use it for himself should he need it later. He already had the immunity necklace. Don't play it on someone else. You need to advance your own game. Yeah, it's too early. I mean, if this was a few years ago and people hadn't figured things out like they figured out just three days prior, then maybe it's just like, oh, clearly they're going to vote for Jeremiah because he's theoretically a strong male. And then you can maybe do it like when Russell knew that they were going to target poverty. Although a lot of that they knew because of other things. Although actually Russell was wrong. He has to pick amongst three people. If he figures out Morgan, bravo, Spencer, you're the greatest player of all time. Just like if they had figured out Jeffrey the week before. His move was the move he tried, to try to bring Cass back. And then if Cass gives them the information, then then we can talk about maybe him playing the idol. There's still a question of how much do you trust Cass when he's been on the island for a while with her and she's proven to be somebody you do not trust with anything. And recognize that the odds, if he, if he did play the idol for somebody else, two out of three options were going to be wrong. Yeah. And then the idol has done nothing for him. So here's something that's also floating out there. And if you're the person who floated out there, I'm not trying to attack you. Uh, thank you for listening to our show. He could have brought out the idol and intimidated everybody and intimidated cast to flip. Um, That's like crazy talk, right? Yeah, what does that do? Well, how's that going to intimidate her? She's not going home. What does she care? Ooh, flex that idol muscle. I don't care. It's The vote's not coming to me. Yeah, I mean, for one, like, it worked for Tony, but he wasn't immune, for one, to start with, and it took the vote off of him. It's not like somebody was like, oh, no, I better flip to their side because otherwise I might go home, because that's not how voting works. You know, it's, if they... Vote for you, whether you flip to them or not, it's not going to matter. And if they vote for somebody that's not you, whether you flip or not, doesn't matter. I think people got this in the head because of what Yule did. But two things, and one of them we'll discuss a little later, it's a different kind of idol, for one. For two, I don't think Jonathan Penner needed that much co- yeah, push to flip to their side. Cass wasn't flipping no matter what he did. Like, he tried. And here's the other thing. Cass isn't exactly somebody who is going to be pushed around. Um, it's kind of the exact opposite. Yeah, you can't just cast some magic spell on her and say, okay, Cass, here's my logical argument. Now you're just going to agree with it and be in our alliance. That's not quite how alliances work. Although maybe Cass thinks that. She doesn't seem to grasp how social interaction works. She's kind of like us. Just an episode ago, she's basically submarined her entire game because she didn't like the way somebody was talking to her. So the idea that, you know, 
Spencer bringing out another idol and then saying, ha ha, Cass, you gotta come with us. That wasn't gonna work. If he had more time with Cass before, started getting a sense that she was leaning towards him, then yes. Hey, tell me who you're gonna, who they're gonna vote for. I have an idol. But ultimately, I, I wouldn't trust Cass with anything. Yeah, it's putting too much faith in Cass telling you the truth to, Ask her who they're going to vote for and then play your idol for that. Three person. days after she just completely lied to you. But yes, sure. Let's tell Cass the greatest secret that you have. And so the other thing is that they people say, well, he didn't buy himself anything but three extra days. At this stage in the game, three extra days can be huge. It can ultimately mean nothing. It didn't mean anything from, say, Troyzan. But this isn't Troyzan versus the girls, right? This is a, a other side that could easily fracture. And if previews are to believe, is about to fracture. Uh, Danny was able to win by staying alive for the perfect right vote, and all of a sudden the splitting up happened. It's not like she won every immunity after that point. Then, you know, they're like, eh, we're going to turn here, and they get rid of Judd, and then a few other things happen, and all of a sudden, hey, look at me, I won. So three days isn't nothing. Like I said, the only goal is to advance your own game, and he's got something that will help him advance his game. Yeah, if Malcolm hangs on to that idol for three more days, maybe he does better. So, yeah, I... We're looking for reasons why people did things wrong as an explanation of why the episode was boring. The episode was boring because everything played out the way it should, and sometimes that's just boring. But what wasn't boring was um, the idol hunt. It was fun how it came together. I liked Wu's <laughs> very descriptive story um, with lots of hand gestures and self-animation of how he uh, acquired that note from Spencer. And... Just the mad scramble of all those people running off to the idol was fantastic. Although I love that Jeffra's first reaction was, yeah, you guys should go look for that. <laughs> Why them? Super active Jeffra. <laughs> you can't be bothered? Jeffra thinks that she already has an immunity idol and that idol is being useless. Even though, again, one vote before she almost went home. Uh, I also really like Tony uh, explaining, like, this is so so serious that even Morgan woke up. And we should probably talk a bit about Morgan <laughs> in a few minutes. Um, yeah, it was a fun bit. I don't think it was as fun as we were led to believe it would be. But, yeah, it was probably the most fun part of the episode. Um, it wasn't as fun as Russell outracing everybody to find the idol in Samoa. I, it was it was in the same vein, yeah. though. I mean, I feel like Wu outrunning Spencer and losing him in the jungle on the way back to camp. That was good. I enjoyed that. It, it, it livened up what should have been a relatively mundane episode. And ultimately, and it comes back full circle. So Spencer makes the big mistake of just basically leaving the idol out there. I mean, he put pants over top of it, but it's like... Did he literally got caught with his pants down. <laughs> exactly. And he couldn't even put him in his pocket. I mean, that might have ultimately not mattered, but you, you, you slip the clue into your underwear at that point, don't you? I was going to tell you where I'd wrap it around, but <laughs> I'd have to bleep it. Um... But he finds it, and that was fun. That it's like you know, Cass is yap yap yapping about her more of her superiority, while Spencer is literally looking at the idol at that very second. Yeah, I love the the karma quote. While Spencer has his hand right on the idol, it's fantastic. But and we'll talk about this later. Why was it a normal idol? We'll find out. After all of that, it wasn't even for the superpowered idol. Okay. Well, so, so no, before we move on. His note says you can play this idol before the votes are read. So doesn't that imply to you that the super idol will not have to be played before the votes are read? No, I think it just it was the same script that's on every idol. 
I don't think like that they could infer that they're the super idol is the opposite. So when he was saying this is a normal idol, that wasn't text on the note. No, that was him like, oh, this isn't the like I was told yesterday there'd be a super idol, and I think they've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what that super idol means. Uh, secret scenes have shown different guesses. Nobody's actually guessed it's the Yule idol because you know they're probably expecting something new. Oh, what are they guessing the superpowers are? You could vote two people out. Oh, boo! You can only use it on somebody else. <laughs> LJ, uh, yeah, had a. It only works when Jeff Probst is wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, LJ's like, if I don't find it, maybe is that you're you've been eliminated. Uh, <laughs> you can resurrect somebody. Like, yeah, they're just throwing ideas out there. And really, if like we had heard, there's going to be an idol with new powers. I think the last thing we would have guessed is no, not new powers, old yeah, powers. Old powers. Yeah. So actually, you know what's funny is a bunch of those things that you were mentioning as possibilities. I was like, oh, I like all of those better than what it actually is. Yeah, and I guess the one benefit of having a non-superpowered one out there is Jeff still gets to do his bit. Like, if anyone has to be idle, now is the time to play it. So I guess they don't tip the hand on that one. Right. No one will know what it actually when is. he doesn't say it to be like. Mm-mm. Because maybe I can see Spencer or, or Tony kind of tweaking at that. Like, why didn't Jeff say it? He said it every other tribal. So that was fun. What wasn't as fun this season as we had hoped it would be is the departed Morgan. Go ahead. I know I, you want to say something. No, I'm, I was leaving it for you. Uh, who, who's going to step on that grenade and lose us more listeners? Okay, uh, well, I, I have to say that, you know, it it won't be so bad that Morgan is leaving only because... And I'm phrasing this delicately, although, you know what, Tasha put her stamp of approval of it on Twitter. But Tasha really unleashed the girls tonight. I mean, she um, she gave Morgan a run for her money in that chess challenge, if you know what I'm saying here. Run. Uh, yeah, obviously we've <laughs> yeah, said a lot. that was the operative word in that sentence. We've said a lot this season, although not as much lately, about... That we find Morgan to be an incredibly attractive young lady. Um, it's totally true, but she was such a net zero this season. Like, is there anything in the Morgan experience that isn't just captured in an animated GIF? I actually went back and watched this because I caught it when it was happening, and then I was like, wait, did I, I just see that, and it didn't really happen. She was the only one where we got a over-the-shoulder-and-down-the-shirt view as the people were writing down their votes, that was so blatant. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of those shots. Um, for one, it could be that not all of them were as blatant, but when it's to her, it can't help but be. Well, specifically in this episode, I checked. I was like, okay, wait, it might have been someone else. Like the Zapruder film, you're breaking it down. I think the other thing is... It was research for the podcast, Andy. Very important work. I think production was equally let down by Morgan, so it's like, let's just make some lemons out of lemonade here. Like, she won't talk, she won't get out of the the shelter until we say it's time for an interview, and then she's just basically hags on everybody who's not as pretty as her, which is everybody. So, all week, people are going to be excited that she's on the show, so let's just give them what they want, because she wasn't giving us any personality. She wasn't, she wasn't flirting, even. Like, she wasn't even playing the femme fatale that I'm sure they were hoping to get. Like, she was dead weight, even if that dead weight floated really, really well. Zing. You know what else she would not do? Because I watched her Ponderosa video. <laughs> and yes, that was the only one I've watched this season. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> You're um, going to watch her poverty video. <laughs> Just get the last bit of the Morgan experience. So she says in her Ponderosa video that she 
was unwilling to beg on her hands and knees to stay in the game. And I'm pretty sure that's... All right, we're editing that one out. <laughs> that is so getting edited out. I just really wanted to say it. <laughs> anyway, the Morgan experience. A whole lot of bleeps on our podcast. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, we, we expected this moment to be you know, fin- yeah, rather depressing for us. But honestly, I'm more than ready for her to go. I'm very much over Morgan. At this point, I wish it like Alexis had outlasted her because that girl actually seemed like she had something to offer besides some awesome photos. I disagree. Well, again, we don't, we didn't get anything out of her because she was voted out so early. So yeah, you no longer have to worry about us saying, um, you know, gross things about Morgan unless she is an awesome juror. I'm on to objectifying LJ from now on. And apparently Tasha. Hey, Tasha approved. Like I said, she was like, hey, thanks for the compliment. I think some people just favored any time their name is mentioned. Maybe. Let's test that theory. Also, if someone told me I, I look good, in the Chestal region, I'd be like, hey, thanks. Well, Hit that little favorite button. let's be real here. If you had the choice between being uh, cute or being ugly, the great <laughs> oh, scholars say. is that say, a choice that, that we're all offered? We go to a special place and someone says, now you get to choose. Would you like to be cute or ugly? And those are your only two options? You're saying people would pick cute? It's like, would you choose if, yeah, your option between something that's great and something that's bad? Not That's not a false choice at all. Not like, would you rather have beauty or brains? No. Yeah, would you like to have some candy or would you like me to punch you in the face? You could pick which one. Give me the punch. <laughs> all right, so yeah, we lost interest in Morgan several episodes ago, and we put her in the 0% club. So let's uh, decide if there's anybody else that will be enjoying, joining her. Because we were right about her. What do you think, John? Is Are you ready to add any more names to the, the has 0% chance of winning? As always, I'm unprepared for this, and I don't know exactly who is in my current 0% club. But I think either way, I'm probably not adding anybody this week. I'm going to go ahead. Jeremiah, you haven't added him yet. See, I was thinking Jeremiah was already in mine, and if, if he's not, then I would probably add him. Yeah, I've been dragging my feet on him, and I think maybe even just talking you out of it slightly. Because I still don't know who the winners are yet, and, you know, he was around a bit, and it was kind of like, well, maybe he goes on a bit of a run, but he's invisible now. And there, a woman can win this game by being left out of the edit. The show will do that to her. They're not going to do it to Jeremiah. Like, if he was the winner of our game, we would be getting a sense of it by now. We are not. So he has 0% chance of winning. I agree. It, like I said, I I thought he was already in my 0% club. If he's not, then yes, I <laughs> Maybe I he is, but he leaves such a small impression that we can't remember. <laughs> That's how memorable he is. I've already forgotten whether he's even in my 0% club. Okay, and we are bringing on a special guest this week. As usual, we've pulled in yet another member of the AV Club Survivor Commenting crew. This week, we have... Miss Wooza. Miz. Who will call. That's, oh, uh, Miz. That's right. We don't Oh, I'm know. sorry. Did you get divorced? It's the honorific of Miz. Miz. Anyway, uh, we can also call her Chelsea, which sounds like a much more normal human name. So, Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. And, Chelsea, let's do the thing we always do with our guests. First of all, tell us about your experience with Survivor and how long you've been watching. Yeah, it's actually a pretty funny story, and I'm going to kind of expose how young I am here. Great. But Thanks, Emma. She is auditioning to be our new young female. Shots fired. I guess so. I'm already sold. Um, yeah, so when it first premiered, 
first season, I was nine years old, and I remember watching with my family because it was such a big event, and I don't really remember much of it. I remember I liked Greg and Rudy a lot, and thought Jervis was pretty funny, but I kind of didn't watch after that season because my family controlled my TV time in grade school. So it wasn't until right before Pearl Islands when Scoutmaster Lil came and spoke at our middle school. Oh my god. Wow, this is yes. an awesome story. She she was from my hometown and some of my classmates were in her scout troop. Uh and I don't really remember what she talked about, but I just remember it was like cool that I knew someone from T V and uh all the scout kids wore their scout uniforms and she's like so proud. <laughs> And so I watched that season, and I was kind of really disappointed in her because she, I don't know, she's really lame, you know? <laughs> of all the cool people that you could have met from TV, Lil is really low on the totem pole. Yes. Scoutmaster Lil. That's actually what I was wondering. Is like, were you one of the few people in the like world and like the only person on the internet that was cheering for Lil? But no, even you, young person though you were, you were like, eh. First episode, I was like, yeah, I know her. And I was like, oh, I know her. I really liked, ended up liking Sandra, so I watched through, I think, Guatemala, about halfway through Guatemala, and then I kind of stopped after that until college, when I was on the school newspaper, and I was asked to interview Dawn for South Pacific, because she was a professor at my school, and I am going to actually defend Dawn. I think she's a total sweetheart. Uh, she's really kind of badass the way she, like, trained. She was such a huge fan. Uh, is her temperament the right for Survivor? Probably not. But uh, I actually like Dawn a lot, um, even though she was prone to breakdowns. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny in retrospect that South Pacific is the season that got me into it again. But there you go. And I've kind of gone back through and watched some of the bigger seasons in between since then. Uh, I think Cook Islands, Heroes, of, Heroes versus Villains, uh, Micronesia, and I need to still watch a couple more. But that is my story. So to recap, you were introduced to Survivor because nine-year-old you loved hearing Rudy's homophobia. Yep. And then you came back to Survivor because you were so impressed by Scoutmaster Lil. <laughs> and then finally you returned to Survivor for good because of Dawn. Yep. And I think I have a tendency wow. to root for the favorites, which is shown by my uh, picks in the Fantasy League. Yeah, game. we should briefly discuss. We won't get too much into AV Club Fantasy League stuff, but you had the very first pick and you took Garrett and then you were stuck with Bryce. So both of your players were eliminated by week two. Indeed. <laughs> Yet she was it. She was not in last place until this very week. So that's pretty that's right. good. You finally got passed. I know. I was hoping I would hold it on there. Yeah, that's a pretty good story, other than making us feel a thousand years old. Right. Yeah, sorry about that. Not really, though. So, <laughs> You're not sorry no. at all. Well, tell us a little bit more about, like, what's your favorite seasons, who are your favorite players, those sorts of things. Let's see. Favorite seasons. I've really enjoyed the last couple. Anything with Malcolm, because he's just so funny to me and beautiful. Oh, so dreamy. Of my favorite player, definitely not my favorite season, but probably Kim. So far, I really like Yule. I like Took Islands. It's probably a great season. Heroes versus Villains. Favorite pl- I kind of divide into players versus personalities. Favorite players, Kim, Yule, Cochran, Parvati. And then favorite personalities, Tyson, Malcolm, Penner. I actually kind of like Sierra a lot. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were, you were with me on team, team, uh, Sierra. That's right. I'm on Addie's side there. And she's getting back to what you said earlier. I, I'm, I'm with you on Don. I think she gets a bad rap. And obviously the worst rap on the internet, because people are terrible. 
I felt so bad for her. I think she's somebody, you know, that she is a fan that knows the moves. She just doesn't have the heart for it. Yeah, she's too kind-hearted for the show. Yeah, didn't she adopt, like, seven kids or something? Yeah, she has, like, seven, eight, ten adopted kids. I'm not sure the exact wow. amount, but it's a ton. Yeah, and that kind of gets to something we've been talking about on this show this season. There's a difference between game behavior and real-life behavior, and I think in real-life behavior there's a very good chance that Dawn is better than most of the people watching the show. Or listening to this podcast. No, no, the people who listen to this podcast are golden. Um, <laughs> but then in the show, she votes out Brenda, and all of a sudden she's evil? Like, let's get real here, people. She voted out somebody in a competition that forces you to vote people out. In her real life, yeah, she's dedicated to helping people, so... But yeah, mm-hmm. it, just in that season, I thought she had all the right moves. In fact, basically, Cochran won because Don had those moves. But nobody wants to see you cry about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's her fatal flaw. But it does make her an interesting character. Emotions are her fatal flaw. That's right. <laughs> Things that I know not about. I was going to say, this is why you and I would be good on this show, Andy. No yes. emotions here. We're, well, that said, maybe sociopaths aren't so good at it either. We're going to have to see how cast does. <laughs> oh. Ugh. Okay, so speaking of impressions of people on this particular season, we wanted to discuss first impressions because I think all three of us actually watched the preview videos, read the bios of these people, and were kind of astonished halfway through the season at how incredibly wrong we were on some of our uh, first impressions. So I'm going to let Chelsea go first. Who were you most wrong about? Uh, Probably my pick, Garrett. Yes. No, undeniable proof there. Yes. <laughs> I remember I was, wasn't was too impressed with really any of their, like, pre-interviews and the things that were on paper. And I was debating between LJ and Garrett, I think, because they seem to have, like, the combination of brains, beauty, brawn. And I really thought that Garrett's, like, kind of douchey jokes on the, the interview were tongue-in-cheek, but they were obviously not. Nope. He was just a douche. And I kind of couldn't justify... Picking beauty over brains. So that was my justification. But anyways, I was totally wrong. Uh, also, I got Bryce last and I was like dreading that, but he actually, you know, I kind of liked him. He was, he wasn't Colton 2.0 like I was fearing. Yeah. I think we were all fearing that one too. And I'm also going to have to go with Tasha. Like I wasn't super impressed with her the first episode, but she had really come around on her. I like her a lot. It's those accountants. They're amazing people that everyone wants to hang around with. Yeah, it's interesting you said that you were choosing between Garrett and LJ, because I had the second pick, and yeah, I was like, Sarah, LJ, Sarah, LJ. So, you know, I can show you some sympathy, because clearly I screwed that one up, too. But at least I wasn't, you know, blinded by abs. (laughs) You never know. I mean, I'm sure Sarah's got quite the six-pack going. Sarah's a pretty girl. She's very fit. Uh, And kind of the same deal. I thought Braun would do better than Beauty. but And also, I probably just wanted to look smart by not picking the obvious choice. How about yourself, John? Who who were you wrong about? Or is the answer just everyone? I, I think it's pretty clear that I was wrong about a lot of people. It's, it's a tough call, though, between Jatia, who I was so clearly very wrong about, or Spencer, who I was wrong about in the opposite direction. Yeah, Spencer. I think most of us, actually, having seen Spencer's preview videos and read his bio, thought... Wow, this guy, he's going to be terrible. Couldn't stand him. We basically said that he would be a lot like us if we were ever on Survivor, which was just a very bad omen for our own chances. And he's turned out, it's funny, the bar was set so low that he might just be mediocre, but in comparison to what I thought he'd be, he seems amazing. 
Yeah, and like moving beyond just the pregame interviews, because I think that we found that that's a terrible way to judge people, but make sure you listen to next season's uh, preview podcast. Um, <laughs> the first episode, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers or anything, but there's one idiot who got on a big soapbox and said that like Tony had zero chance of winning, mm. and uh, that guy feels pretty dumb. Probably Matt. <laughs> yeah, so that was incredibly wrong about that. Um, maybe. Actually, speaking of which, that's a, that's a pretty good transition because we've had some discussions and it seems like we might have a, an interested party in Tony to be, uh, interviewed by us at some point, which we hadn't ever really intended on doing interviewing survivors, but it seems like Tony's a big enough fan of the show that I feel like it might be a fun interview. So those of you listening, if you'd be interested in hearing us do that, shoot us an email, send us a tweet, whatever, let us know. Actually, I think, Chelsea, you might have been the first one that suggested it. And I think so. He tweets at you guys all the time. I was like, just have him on the show. It'd be great. He was on board, and I was like, huh, I hadn't even thought about that, because I figured he had CBS contractual obligations. He couldn't do certain podcasts, blah, blah, blah. There's a well, chance that Tony was just being nice to us. Let's not get too crazy here. I think uh, Tony's playing the social media game about as aggressive as he's playing the game on the island. But are you saying that we're the unattractive girl at the end of the bar that he <laughs> bought a drink just out of pity? I think he's uh, doing very good control of his image because, you know, he is now a career survivor player. And, yeah, I couldn't have been more wrong about him to start. Even the things that I was confident about, because, you know, I hedged. I was like, he might do well, but he's not going to win because he's too aggressive. Well, so far that hasn't seemed to matter. And it's like, and people won't like him. No, nah, it sounds like people like him. I like him. And uh, not just because he has been nice to us on Twitter. I think it's, um, he's been refreshing and it kind of makes me think about, um, players in the past. So that's the first impressions of people this season. But if you think back to old seasons, like, is there anybody who you were just completely wrong about? And I mean, like, your first impression compared to where they were, not necessarily the first time you saw them and then they came back and aged and matured and seven years later they were better. Chelsea, is there uh, somebody you can think of in the past that you were just kind of wrong about? Besides Lil, I guess. (laughs) Actually, the first thing that came to my mind was Cat, funny enough. You had high hopes for Kat? No, I originally just thought I was going to hate her. I thought she was this total dumb nitwit who really shallow. And most of that, you know, is true. Uh, but I was, at the end, really impressed with her at her first season. Uh, she wasn't bitter at all. I totally thought she was going to be. Yeah, we all thought she'd be the bitter juror. And she was cool. Yeah, she was cool. She just, she's just young, wanted to have a good time. And she came back and she just, she tried as hard as she could. You know, I appreciate that. And she likes my tweets on Twitter sometimes, so I'm all for Kat. <laughs> yeah, I think we thought she'd be an annoying nitwit. Turns out she was in a lovable nitwit who has given us some great parts of the lexicon for Survivor that will last forever. Is she liking Shit. your tweets because you're talking about working out and or abs? Because that seems to be her favorite things. I can't remember which one she favorited last. It wasn't about abs, though. Or did you do, like, hashtag I love selfies and then she was like, oh, favorite. <laughs> It was something like totally weird. She like had to search the word survivor. I don't think it even hashtagged it. It was pretty funny. How about you, John? Who were, have you been most wrong about in the past? I think honestly, Austin. If I have to go back to like Pearl Islands, I'd say Austin, I thought was just going to be this massive challenge dominator, seemed like a likable enough guy and had no personality, was just really not the physical force everyone thought he would be. And then of course, ultimately quit. Yeah, I think for me is the one that 
everybody probably got wrong, including Jeff Probst. It's uh, Richard Hatch. Yeah. When you first start watching Survivor, it's like, who is this schmuck? He's, like, sitting up in a tree. He's this flabby guy, just kind of like, nah, I'm not doing that, and, like, pushing around orders. And it's like, I mean, we didn't even really know what Survivor was yet, but it was like, they got to get rid of that guy. And then it turns out, no, um, he's the winner, and he's the one that's going to shape the game. And then, kind of coming full circle, when I first saw Russell Hans in Samoa, I could not stand this guy. You know, he was bragging about having all this money and then making up these lies and I'm going to cause chaos. And it's like, why are you burning people's socks, dude? And then the worst was just his outright misogyny, right? But as that season goes on, even I started to root for the guy, almost against, like, my better wishes, because he, what he was doing was so revolutionary and exciting. And then you also just kind of get caught up in the underdog bit. Because, you know, they came in down numbers. And the other tribe didn't exactly seem nice. You know, Laura Moret and Shambo and um, John Fincher, kind of jerky people. So I almost was like, eh, maybe it wasn't so bad with Russell. Maybe he could win. And then as it started getting close to the end, it's like, wait, those things at the beginning happened. So it wasn't like it was a wrong first impression, but it was almost like my opinion kept changing back and forth. And then when he didn't win, it's like, oh, yeah, he's a terrible person. And that matters. Yeah, it turns out that if people don't like you, that doesn't change just because what made them hate you happened, oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and it's almost like, it also turns out if you're the kind of person who, like, views people that way, it's probably hard to uh, connect with them. But, uh yeah, and like a lot of people, I this season I've been more wrong than ever, but, you know, I'm also fairly good at my first impressions as a survivor. But clearly I can be very wrong, as uh, the 0% Club will reveal. Speaking of impressions based on appearance, how would you judge Medea? Because that's my transition I'm going to use to talk about the Medea idol. <laughs> ah, first class. That's a podcast word right there. Thank you. Thank you. The I, Tyler Perry, I can... Tyler, no, Tyler Perry presents Tyler Perry's I Can Do Immunity All By Myself idol. Yeah, that's right. For those who are just now, for some reason, finding out about this, which apparently, like, we keep getting tweets and comments and stuff at various places saying, so what's the idol? The idea is that it's just Yule's idol from Cook Island. It's the exact same thing. You can use it after all the votes have been cast. And it seems to me that the reason they got rid of it is because it was way too powerful. Mm -hmm. So Andy and I were discussing this, and we're wondering, can you guys think of any way that idol could possibly be beaten. I'm going to jump in here because I like to do that. Um, the one thing, like, I yes, I think they took it away because, you know, you try an idea and you refine it. I mean, the very first idol they put in was almost worthless, right? It was like you had to play it just then. You had to just basically, it was like another immunity necklace. Nobody could vote. That's the one that Gary got in Guatemala. So they, they go like, oh, well, that's not going to change much, even though it did save Gary for three days. So they came up with this. And yeah, they came up with the idea that it was too strong, and it is. You just need to think about it. It's like, oh, you you have a get-out-of-jail-free card, and it's so dominant that why would anybody even risk themselves by voting for you? The one flaw is it's it existed twice, and I just don't know if there's enough data in those two sets for us to really know how powerful it is. Because both of those guys ended up not needing it, and that's why I think the narrative is formed that it's too powerful. But Terry was never not immune. So it's not like his idol ever actually saved him until the very last vote. And Yule basically needed an idol for one vote. He needed an idol to flip Jonathan Penner. Once that was done, he had numbers 
with a very tight alliance that I don't think in any other circumstance, whether Yule had the most powerful idol or not, would have broken it up. So it's kind of like a normal idol would have been fine for Yule. So while on the face of it, it certainly seems like it's far too strong, maybe all it takes, and we've already seen this, and I think maybe another reason why they introduced a more powerful idol, is that Survivor players have figured out how to break the idol, which is basically vote splitting. And there's no reason why vote splitting wouldn't work with the Tyler Perry idol as well as it works with the other one. Here's the problem for this season. Nobody knows what this idol is or how like how to beat it because they don't know what they're fighting against. And even more ridiculous, we got a new idol last night and it wasn't even this one. Like, what are they doing introducing <laughs> other idols? <laughs> like, when are they going to find this super-powered idol? Like, Final Five? One more vote and the majority of six, if it's still the majority of six, can vote split. Actually, they can do it now, right? Well, that would force a tie. Yeah, and then you re-vote, and your five beats there, too. True. So, like, I think you could argue that they've already waited too long. Now, actually, this is where having an extra idol will play will actually help, in that if Spencer and Tasha both had idols, then they're good, if they split them amongst Spencer and Tasha. <laughs> now, that's, of course, if the minority finds it. Now, if Racist. Somebody, is it? You said the minority finds it. And you were talking about Tasha, racist. Ah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, if somebody in the majority alliance finds it, then yeah, they might, they'll have a ticket to the end. Agreed. And I think we've actually kind of been rooting for Tony to find it just because it could be most entertaining to see him play it. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, what do you think, uh, Chelsea? Is it too powerful? Yeah. Well, I have two questions. One is mm-hmm. why is it so hard to find? It's almost like the producers don't want it to be found unless it's going to be at the auction, which I think someone raised. Yeah, someone suggested that it might be a clue you can buy at the auction, which seems very likely and like a good idea. But I don't think that's ever their intention to make it not get found because it's more entertaining for the show if it does. Yeah, which brings my second question is, are they going to let the player who finds it know right away what the special power is or only bring it up at tribal council? Because if they only bring it up at tribal council, then that has the potential to bring more chaos than simply just giving them a get-out-of-jail-free card. My guess is that it's going to be a note a lot like what was on Spencer's Idol, only it will specifically say, you don't have to play this until after the votes are read. I don't like that. I think it would have to be that way, but yeah, we legit don't know. Like, I can't believe that they had clues to an idol and it wasn't to this one. Like, you know, yeah. the, the whole merge was, hey, there's this special idol out there and now everybody's a buzz. What is this idol? Cause not everybody, you know, follows our podcast. I love Spencer's reaction. Yeah, no, it's like, this is just a normal idol. And that kind of blew my mind too. It's like, I, I want to almost understand having another idol out there because two got played last week. But the clues should point to the good idol, not the second idol. Like, wh- how long do they want us to not find this? Because even if, yeah, they say the auction, then they should have had the auction last night. Like, this is just from a storytelling perspective. It makes no sense that they've introduced this exciting new element and then undercut it right away. Yeah, it'd only be able to use for a couple turns. Yeah, and the longer it's not found, like, maybe the more powerful it becomes, right? Well, then also the less opportunities you have to play it, which I think they really want to see it actually played since it never got played before. I feel like they're really gunning for someone getting out on one boat. I think so too. I think that would be the sort of dramatic, suspenseful thing that they would love to have happen. Yeah, we never saw the moment where like everybody thinks they voted out Yule and then he's like, ah, not so fast. You know, you, you, you get the inverse. Now, of course, if this became the new idol standard, and I don't think it will be, 
you lose all the fun moments like James going home with two idols in his, well, not quite pocket <laughs> because they were so big, in his bag. Uh, that sort of thing. Or Alex being so smug about playing an idol and then we're like, hey, guess what? We didn't vote for you, buddy. The one question I do have is I wonder if this idol will allow you to transfer it. Yeah, I was just thinking that. My guess is no. And just kind of by judging the way that Terry and Yule didn't play it, I think you could transfer it, but it has to be prior to Tribal Council. You couldn't hear the votes being read and be like, all right, I'm playing it for that person. I think you need to be holding the idol and say, here's the idol, it counts only for me. Right. It's already powerful enough as it is. Why add to it by allowing you to transfer it at Tribal? So, like, I think you can surrender control of it, just like you can surrender control of an immunity necklace. Like, if you think your partner needs it, you could give them the idol, and now it's their idol. But you couldn't wait till after the votes are cast. I'm hoping. I guess we'll find out. It all comes down to what Tyler Perry wanted this season to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to see the texts is the thing. You know, like we should get the full combo between Tyler Perry and Jeff Probst. Uh, that needs to be matter of Is this the first we've heard that he's a Survivor fan? You know what? I gotta be honest. I'm not too up on my Tyler Perry news. <laughs> so I don't know. He may have been proclaiming loudly his love for Survivor for years, and I never caught on. We'll find out when his next movie is about people stranded on the island. and it's the Medea goes to Samoa. Oh, my God. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? <laughs> I certainly can. I'd probably watch it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time, you know, rendering gar- garments about why would you go back to something that was already proven to be a bad idea. But at this point, it's like, could we at least find out if it's a bad idea like it's like they compounded the bad idea by you know floating another idol out there yeah. and it's actually that brings up another question that some people put out is like do you think what they're trying to set up by introducing as many idols into the equation as they can is that they want like a voteless tribal council that's another fun scenario because we've debated what would happen there too do you revote is it everyone draws rocks what happens if all the votes get canceled out Rocks, 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 oh, rocks. Oh, you know that's what we're rooting for. Would it actually be purple this time? That's yes, right. they actually have to color them the correct color. But yeah, I mean, that could happen, right? Spencer plays his idol correctly, and maybe the other t- side was going for Tony, and then he... I mean, you can never not play that idol correctly. Uh, and then it's like, oh, well, I guess nobody. Yeah, no one goes home that week. Yeah. Probably the most likely is it's like, okay, uh, we're voting again. You can't vote for the three people that are immune at this point. Uh, but everybody else is fair game. That seems most likely, but also the most boring. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't see how you go to rocks because rocks is designed to be punitive. And these people did nothing wrong. Of course they did something wrong. They chose to vote for people who played idols. <laughs> people they did not realize would have idols. Right. Yeah, no, it'll be one of the great questions out there, like what will happen if there's a tie at the final tribal council. Yes, Ooh. and we've speculated on that one too before, I think. Wouldn't you love to draw rocks for a million dollars? There we go, rocks, rocks, rocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they have to let the third person pick or something like that, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that's the suggestion we thought was most plausible, is that the third place person would get to cast the vote. That's fair, I guess. No, it's not, but at least it comes close to being fair. <laughs> All right, so uh, we also, uh, and we didn't prep you for this, Chelsea, but uh, we got one more. We got one question from our awesome audience, uh, but only one member of the audience, but they're all awesome. Uh, this one came from Twitter, and John, do you have it in front of you? I do. Luckily, one of us is prepared. It's like we learned lessons from Scoutmaster Lil. So the question is from XL Pelican, and he says... I'm sorry, at XL Pelican. It is from Twitter. Can you think of a season where the final nine has had this little dead weight? Which 
is a good point. I would say, as far as uh, challenges, and I was noticing this last night when they were up there, and you always kind of like, who's the first person going to be out? Who's going to do well? There wasn't anybody that's terrible. You know, there's no like Fishmonger Lydia's out there, or frankly, Sierra's out there. I think Cass is probably the weakest, but even her, she's not as hapless as we usually have somebody out there. And they've been culling a lot of that dead weight up until now, and actually they did again last night. Yeah, I'm trying to think back once I got the question. And of course, my default to think back to is Token Teens, because it's one of my favorites. And I think they certainly had an entertaining final nine. I don't know that it was no dead weight in there. but What are we considering dead weight? Lack of entertainment and just general goats, I would say. Okay. So, like, in the Boston Rob coronation season, when it was basically Boston Rob <laughs> and everyone there to give him their vote for a million dollars, that's Boston Rob and some dead weight. Yeah. And Ralph. No, just kidding. Ralph, the comedy gold mine, at least when it comes to spelling. Now, what's interesting, though, is, like, it's not top-heavy, right? Like, there isn't all those, like, <laughs> well, kind of... Well, now it's not. Morgan's gone. <laughs> exactly. It's even less... Even less very nice. Um, but I almost like it's less strong in some ways. It's like it's so diffuse... That I'm not seeing winners here as much as not detestable people. Like there isn't a a group of losers like we usually have, but I'm not sure there's even like some strong winners. Like right now, the most memorable person is Tony, and then it's kind of like people were inventing things for. I mean, we still have like Jeffra and Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeffra's kind of a blank slate, and Jeremiah's pretty close to that as well. Yeah, but like, would it surprise you if either of them like won last night's challenge? No, not I don't. I don't rate them poorly in physical. Yeah, they're relatively skills. athletic. They seem to be decent social players. You know, they have understood some levels of strategy, even. Well, let's not give them too much credit. Yeah, Jeremiah understood it better than Sarah did. That's a low bar. <laughs> um, so maybe I guess the answer is. <laughs> and there's there's goats in every season, so it's really hard to say. But I think there's less egregious goats this season than last season. Yeah, That's probably the point. That XL Pelican was going to make. Uh, but yes, I, um, thank you for coming on the show again, Chelsea. Uh, no, thank you. This is fun. We, we, we really try to work hard from keeping this from being just a big Jeff Probe sausage fest. So <laughs> we, we needed you. We've actually been thinking about having you on for a long time. Now that Morgan is gone, we'll have more actual conversation. That's right. Wait till you listen to our rendering of garments over the loss of Morgan. Um, I'm shaking my head. I can't see it. No, I can see it through the internet. It's happening. That's all right. Rendering garments. Mm. Or rending. Yeah, that's... Well, that, thanks, Tyson. Hey, bye. Glad uh, I could help. I'm rustling some feathers here. Anyway, so Chelsea, <laughs> thanks again for coming on. And if you would be interested in being a guest, you podcast listener, not you, Chelsea, because you're already the guest, please get in contact with us. Twitter, AV Club, email, all those things. And be interesting and funny and smart like Chelsea was. Look at me praising our guests. Oh, I don't know about that. And if you have stories about Scoutmaster Lil, that gets you like to the front of the line. Yeah, at least if you had some contact with the survivor in the past, try to have a more interesting survivor <laughs> than Chelsea did. All right, another classic uh, Purple Rock podcast interview. Uh, as John said, we'd love to have other people on, if not this season, then in future seasons. And... Yeah, we'll do the plugs now. So if you would like to do that, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at Purple Rock Pod. You can drop us an email, purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. We're on WordPress, purplerockpodcast.wordpress.com, I think. Yep. God, I hope. In fact, cheap plug time. 
you should go there and you should check out. We, I actually put words down and so there's actually written content on the blog right now. And pictures in case you're illiterate. That's right. Where, uh, to further last week's discussion, I decided to take all of, um, not all of, because there's a billion people on that show, but take a lot of Game of Thrones characters and figure out which former survivor they're most like. So please check that out and let us know what you think. And for the record, that was all Andy. So if you're pissed at any of his picks, don't send anything to me complaining about it. All in. Yeah, and if you want to do that, you can also follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore Sayers. Uh, and you can also leave us voicemails at JR Purple Rock on Skype. And to clarify, when Andy made that, he has not read the books, so don't send him spoilers, please. Yes, don't be that guy on the internet. So, last week we said we were going to do power rankings, and then we just didn't. So this week, we're going to do power rankings, and how we do it is we're not going to rank everybody on the show, because... This podcast is already long. Uh, so John and I have each independently come up with our top five of who is currently doing the best, has the best chance, all of that sort of thing. Who has the power right now in this game? Yeah, we're not going to go based on how likely the people are to win, just who currently has the most power. Right. But if they have a good chance to win, they'll probably do pretty well here. Exactly. So what we'll do is we'll go five through one. We'll start with a five. If, say, I have uh, somebody at number five and um, John has them at number three, then maybe we'll wait to discuss them until John's there. I think and this will probably end up only talking about seven people because I imagine there's some overlap. So, John, who do you have at number five? So at number five, I have Spencer. All right. Uh, I actually have him higher on my list, so uh, we can talk about him then. We can. Tr- That's because you're wrong. No, no, no. I have very good reasons for it. Uh, I have Wu at number five. I didn't have Wu on my list. Yeah, and basically, I don't think there are five really strong players right now, so he had a pretty strong episode. And, and what's funny is I initially had nobody listed, like I wrote down nobody for number five on my list, and then I thought, well, if we have to populate this list, then yes, I'll put Spencer at five. Yeah, I think Wu is a pretty good nobody. Uh, he's He had a good episode. He got to talk a lot. I think he's a good chance to go on an immunity run. So, yeah, him. Uh, who'd you have at yeah. number four? Tasha. We are going to talk about everybody. She did not make my list. Uh, explain to me how she makes yours. I think there are certain people who just have no chance. And then I also think that certain people become more attractive as alliance partners. Because this alliance is going to fracture. And I think Tasha is best positioned to exploit that, even though Spencer has an immunity idol and seems to kind of get along with some people, I feel like Tasha has a little bit more inroads with people. She seems more likable that she might have formed some better bonds with other people. Uh, see, I think we're extrapolating. What what has Tasha done that's impressive? Well, on she's level? an accountant, first mm. of all, and people love spending time with accountants and talking to them about their amazingly exciting jobs. I think Tasha's just around at this point, and if she gets brought into anything, it's probably with somebody else. And to clarify, she's really number four on my list by default because everyone else just ranked so low that someone had to be number four. All right, so my number four, I have Trish. Last week, we gave her the episode MVP, and I laid out a case of maybe she's actually playing the best game so far. We've also put her in our 0% club. Now, I haven't proved to have great judgment on that, but I still kind of stand by that. She might not win, but as of right now, I think she has earned this placement. I disagree. Didn't have her on my list at all. She's right back. Your list is terrible, man. 
<laughs> you do get that there's like a power alliance right now, and like Wu and Trish are in it, and Tasha is not. Uh, so number three is Spencer for me. That's where I put him. Um, is it possible that Spencer's getting the winner at it? Because he's not that compelling a speaker, but he seems to get to speak a whole lot. Is that why? The only other reason I can think of is that they're setting him up as if they can't get Stephen Fish back in a future season, they'll bring Spencer instead. See, I don't think they think that far ahead of, like, we need to create a nerd hero. They'll bring people back for less than this. And trust me, there are other nerds that want to be on the show. Wink, <laughs> wink. Look, it's also very likely that Spencer's getting a lot of airtime because, you know, he's been to a lot of tribal councils. But, you know, so is Tasha, your girl Tasha, the superpower for Tasha, and I still don't even know much about her. Yeah, it's just kind of started to pop in my head. But why? Why is he the feature player? Maybe it's just because they need somebody on the other side and he's giving them something, even if it's not Cochrane level something, and the others are giving them nothing. But I'm just starting to wonder. And then, you know, he did just get an immunity idol, so why not bump him up a list? He's in the contenders to win. He's definitely not 0%, and I don't think he ends up there. Well, I mean, obviously, he gets eliminated. He will. So who's your number three, then? I have Cass at number three. I actually debated ranking Cass even higher, just because based on current power in the game, Cass should be pretty high up there. See, I think Cass's power is done. Like, this was, tonight was the last time. What, what utility does Cass have to anybody at this point? Uh, she holds utility for one more vote and then the alliance fractures. Yeah, basically, yeah, but no more utility to anybody else. If they want to do vote splitting, then they need Cass. The other option is just to vote out Cass. Like, that, she could be part of the split. But yeah, I think, I think she overplayed her hand and now they have a 6-3 advantage and she can't flip. I think she also makes an appealing goat for those people that are looking towards the end game right now. But I don't think a goat actually is an important position of power. You know, Sherry wasn't all that powerful. I'm saying that she will probably get to dictate the next vote, and that, to me, is a powerful thing. Uh, so I think we probably have the same top two. It'll just be a question of what they're at. And this kind of gets back to the discussion that I kind of brought up with uh, our guest. We, I don't think either of us are very impressed with 5-4-3 on our list. And in fact, we even jumbled it up. So we kind of feel like this is a strong season with some strong people, but maybe it's a little top-heavy. <laughs> or Crazy. maybe there's no top. Like, is it just, like, a bunch of people and we've yet to even know what's going to happen? We'll find out. So who do you have at number two? Uh, okay, so number one, I went Tony. It, it's too easy. So you have Tony, Tony at number one and LJ at number two? I do. Me as well. And here's the thing. Uh, we talked about it last week. Why even is LJ at number two? Only because if you know, if they cut off the head and Tony goes home, LJ inherits that role. Yeah, like, LJ isn't playing a bad game. And this is a game where the avoidance of mistakes can be as powerful as making moves. But I'm starting to feel like we're not getting enough out of LJ at this point for us to feel like he's a big winner. Like, the show you'd think at this point would be setting, giving us more LJ. And did he even do anything last night? He voted for the right person. And he was good on the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, that's good enough. And it's also not hard to think of a, a world where LJ wins. In fact, if we're ranking based on chances to win, I think I still put him at number one. But he hasn't been the best player. And I'm just starting to question each time. It's like, why LJ? 
why is he impressive? Because, you know, he's a good-looking guy who has stayed in the game so far, I suppose. But he's not really doing much out there. But the guy that we put at number one is doing a bunch of stuff out there. And I think the most important thing for me, actually the most important reason that I've heard for putting Tony in this spot all season happened in the episode where they said Tony is likable, which is something that we've discussed back and forth all season. Like, how do the people around camp view him? He got called likable. I think they're starting to realize he's a threat, and I think if he gets the end game, people like him. He might get votes. Yeah, like, that comment was so telling. And uh, who was it that made that? Tasha? I think it was Tasha because Cass, you know, wasn't proposing to vote for Tony. Yeah, it's almost like that's the final barrier, right? At this point, if is Tony not making it, or if he makes it... You know, what we hung on to is people would be angry at him. People won't like him. He seems to put people off a bit. But maybe not, you know? I mean, even Cliff, his big enemy, thought that Tony was on his side. So he had him fooled. He had Sarah completely fooled. So, And we've seen him joke around with people. So I think if Tony can make it to the end, he can beat any one of these people. It's just a question of whether... He can make it to the end, or if he does something between now and then to destroy that goodwill. He's definitely in pole position right now. There's certainly places he could stumble along the way. And that leads us into the predictions for next week. Hey, I finally got one. Last week I said, well, Spencer was my pick, but if he wins immunity, which he did, I said Morgan. And that was came, I think, about 30 seconds before you said there's no way they're voting out Morgan. So, yay me! Bravo. But the previews show us that Tony seems to be itching to make a move. It seems to be against this man, Wu. Do we believe the previews? Nope. Next week's preview, total misdirection. This time, I think that alliance is going to fracture very soon, but it's not this week. I think it's the following week. Well, I mean, this is certainly the part of the game where the commercials would try to take anything to try to get people interested in it because it could just be a pagong. But what I could see happening is Tony just starts floating that idea out, and it gets out there, and that's what could fracture them. Like, he's starting to plan his next move ahead, and maybe he talked about it with the wrong person. But it's also just as incredibly likely that the person was receptive to it, and they just pulled that quote to create a promo. So, who's going home? Jeremiah. And if he wins immunity? I actually was just going to say, nope, Jeremiah's not going to win immunity. It's going to be Jeremiah. So if it's not him, then I guess Tasha's got to go. Yeah, so uh, I'm with you on that Jeremiah bit, and it just kind of gets into the same reason why I put him in the 0% club. One of the reasons why he would be invisible is because he's, you know, a mid-game boot. His story's about to end. Yeah, so I, I'm... <laughs> to make our at least one listener happy, although at this point, <laughs> predicting him it seems to be not a good idea. But yes, I think Jeremiah is the next to go. But if it's not him, maybe it's Wu. And in fact, maybe the target was Wu, and he wins immunity, and then they just flip back to the, the original plan. Because here's the other thing. We have also added Wu to our 0% club, and the big reason is he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of run for a guy who would be an easy fan favorite. Now, some of that ended last night, but you kind of had to let him talk because that was the huge element of the entire episode story. I really wonder if all of his confessionals are exactly like that, just super animated and lots of hand gestures about totally mundane things. Like, so we ate breakfast this morning. Yeah, well, I, I think he was a bit of like that when he was talking about like his uh partnership with Cliff. So, yeah, that's kind of maybe the kind of guy he is. 
But yeah, why are we not getting more Wu? Like, Wu seems like the, the Aussie, right? Like, people would just be loving. And in fact, people are. I think there's a big Team Wu contingent. But the show isn't really giving us much. And by last night, he doesn't seem like he's terrible. He seems like he can give us enough confessions at least to, you know, rival the naked charisma of Spencer. So maybe this is why Wu goes home, is because they actually do take him out right here. I don't think so. I, I think we both agree that this alliance holds one more week. It would be the sensible thing, but this is this season. I mean, this is the vote at nine, which is uh, odd numbers are a good time to change things up, but I just, I don't see No, it. it would be a mistake to turn. I'm just not convinced they don't make that mistake, because basically here's the thing. They can split the vote right now, and then the idols don't matter, unless, of course, somebody finds the second idol. So you should do that before you get your overwhelming majority. And also, you three people is two people, too many people to leave hanging around. But people get itchy. Uh, Tony has said he gets bored. So it'll be, I'm interested to see. Because we've come to a phase where sometimes those Survivor promos are actually telling us the truth. So we'll find out. All right, so we already mentioned the many ways that you can get in contact with us. So that means it's about time to wrap up the show. Andy, throw it to theme music. Hey, uh, we, uh, something, something. <laughs> 